today we're back here with Chaz and Autumn from PaleoValley.com and you heard all about the beef sticks. Well, they also have another incredible product called Grass-Fed Organ Complex. So tell us a little more about this one, Autumn. 96% of Americans are actually nutrient deficient and organ meats, especially from grass-fed animals, are like nature's multivitamins. On average, they contain about 10 to 100 times more nutrients than muscle meats and they're the world's most concentrated source of vitamins B12 and A, which are critical for optimal health. And the cool thing about how we came up with this product was when Autumn was pregnant, we knew the benefits of eating liver and eating organ meats, but as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, it doesn't taste great. And so Autumn was actually freezing these little liver chunks up into balls and try to swallow them whole. And that was tough to keep down. And then you get the little liver burps and you're getting a great nutrient-dense food in you, but it makes it very difficult to do. So we decided to go out to source this ourselves to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished organ meats, freeze-dry them so that we preserve all those nutrients and then put them in a capsule with no fillers, no additives so that you can just pop them in the morning and you're good. And the B vitamins that are in there give you such energy that will help Mm. you throughout your day. Again, it's it's called Paleo Valley. Visit paleovalley.com and be sure to use the coupon code JIMMY at checkout and you'll get 20% off your order. Paleo Valley. America has a new favorite protein bar, and it's the chocolate chip cookie dough bar from Quest Nutrition. Each Quest bar contains 21 grams of protein, is packed with 14 grams of fiber, and has just one gram of sugar. Visit their website, questnutrition.com, to find their full selection of bars, shakes, chips, and more. And coming soon, don't miss the special keto line of products that have been under development for the past two years. Again, give them a try at questnutrition.com. Coming up in episode 1297, Rachel Straub. Connecting and educating and making the world a more informed and healthier place. You're listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. You've helped change so many lives and give us all the courage to take on the rest of the world. This is the longest running health podcast on the air today. You've done so much to spread the word about how diet matters. Over 1,000 episodes strong and counting. The amount of lives that you've changed at this point is incalculable. And now, here's our host and international best-selling author you're like the LL Cool J of podcasting Jimmy Moore hey hey guys we're back here on the Living La Vida Low Carb show with Jimmy Moore and today I am very privileged to welcome back to the podcast again you may remember Rachel Straub she was on before talking about her multi-award-winning book weight training without injury And it was a really fun interview, Rachel. I really uh, enjoyed doing that the last time. But you wrote me a few months ago and you said, hey, look, I just got through a really severe uh, case of Lyme disease and chronic fatigue, and I would love to share my story. And of course, she knows very well that I love hearing stories like that as well, especially when people have dealt with some kind of an illness and overcome it through nutrition and lifestyle changes. So Rachel, welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, without getting real deep into kind of repeating all of your story from the last time of who you are, you're basically an exercise physiologist, nutritionist, biochemist, or excuse me, biomechanist, try saying that real fast, certified strength and conditioning specialist. So you kind of know your stuff when it comes to nutritional and fitness related information. So what happened and tell us a little bit about the diagnosis of getting chronic fatigue and Lyme disease and what was your initial reaction? Yes, well, um, it was actually back in 2005, I was down in Central America and I had at least a half a dozen or so tick bites. So that was the start of problems. And it just got continually worse, basically. But in January 2013, I basically crashed. I had to drop out of grad school, quit my job and move home with my parents. And within the matter of weeks, weeks, I went from being an active, independent person to be to being fully bedridden and unable to care for myself. Wow. So how did that make you feel? Yes, that was a very life-altering uh, experience, to say the least. Yeah. And so people viewed me as being in the epitome of health, given my background, but I was anything but. Yeah. So that's but through why no feel- fault of your own, other than you happen to be in an area where a bunch of ticks 
bit you and ostensibly that's how you got the Lyme disease. Yes, that's correct. Wow. Well, and certainly yours is not a rare case. I mean, I know there's people, even people as famous as like Tim Ferriss have gotten Lyme disease and other people out there. Do you think Tim Ferriss has done a a good job of kind of bringing light to this issue? Um, Because I'm sure you came across his stuff as you were seeking your own healing. Yes, I did. Well, the thing is, I, I was never able to be formally diagnosed with Lyme disease. Ah. That's been quite the challenge because uh, the tests that were used for me over a decade never came back positive. Wow. So, but, you, but, but I guess the manifestation of all the symptoms made it obvious, right? Um, not necessarily. That's okay. why it was my, the doctor actually, it was eight months and five doctors before I was diagnosed by MD, PhD. And he, he actually diagnosed me with a form of pneumonia. Wow. And I, my symptoms were just the main thing was debilitating fatigue. And at the time, he didn't think Lyme was the issue. So that's, that's when I started treatment. See, that's, started that would treatment. be frustrating. I could not imagine, Rachel, you know, you're feeling bad. And, of course, people with, like, thyroid issues, it's the same thing. Well, there's nothing wrong with you. And they run these numbers that don't really show the doctors yeah. that you have any. You're kind of what they call subclinical hypothyroid and then you know finally somebody runs the right test and goes whoa so that sounds like what happened for you yes and the tests that even running for that were debatable on the infection load so um you know but then i after starting treatment i just got continually worse and it was just a snowball effect Mm. and i went into that with you know assumingly you could say Lyme for almost 10 years so I mean that didn't help my situation and it was basically I mean it came down in the end it's basically it's you know I had everything in the kitchen sink my goodness well and here you are uh, like I said earlier a nutritional health and fitness expert so to speak out there and and you yourself you know what I think though that you're probably a stronger person today and more authority in talking with clients now than you've ever been before because you can say, look, I've been to hell and back. <laughs> yes, I have. I mean, my life was on the line. So wow. I've been a very harrowing experience to say the least. Well, let's talk about some of the treatments that you yes. that you did have because you, you, you have two separate issues here, but I think they're separate but related, the whole chronic fatigue and then the Lyme disease. So let's start with the CF. What, what did you do? What was the treatment that you started to try to deal with that? So basically for chronic fatigue, I mean, that's sort of like a bucket diagnosis. It, you know, right. it's, what could that be? It it's could like be fibromyalgia. <laughs> yes, like so the doctor I was seeing did not like using that term, and he thought the cause of my chronic fatigue initially was purely a pneumonia-based problem. So I was started on antibiotics, and just to give you, normally people are given antibiotics and they start feeling better, but I started getting worse, wow. and that's because of the level of infection I was dealing with. He told me that would happen. So to get better, you have to get worse. So my symptoms, I started with just pure fatigue, but it went into migraines excruciating pain. I get plummeted, blood, blood pressures down to 70 over 40. So, I mean, it got pretty dangerous um, in terms of the treatments. But to get better, he told me I would get worse and I had to go through this process. Mm. So, that's the first stage was starting just antibiotics. And then after about, a, you know, over a year of doing that, I was even on inhalation antibiotics at some point. He said, you know, there's something else going on. You're just not progressing. So, basically, he got me out of the coffin but yeah. he into the hospital bed, but I still wasn't functional. So wow. um, it's that's sort of when it just started, you know, we need to start digging further. But then the tests are very unreliable for these different infections. What are the tests that they run? Well, they I mean, he told me he runs tests that probably nobody's ever heard of, but it's a lot of antibody levels. So he's looking for different thresholds. Um, you know, he wanted to see a certain threshold of a number to say that you have an active infection because differentiating between these infections, whether it's a chronic infection or a past infection is very difficult to do. And then with Lyme disease, you know, a lot of times they run like a Western Lyme blot and they're looking for bands. But a big problem is if people who are severe with their infection load, they don't show up because their immune system is so depleted. Mm-hmm. They don't have the ability to produce these antibodies at detectable limits. Wow. So that's what I would. So that's why I just came. He knew I was sick, but he couldn't really determine what was going on. 
So Rachel, is there a standard test for testing for Lyme disease or is it you just trial and error through various tests? You can do trial and error through various tests. So we did that or another when things don't work, you just start trying um, medications that are supposedly for that condition. So go ahead and treat it. And see what happens because if you have it, you get worse basically when you start medicine. That's so funny. That's if you have it, you get worse. <laughs> yes, you get worse. Your symptoms start amplifying. Wow. So it's, you know, you have to go to the brink of death to bring you back. It's sort of like going on chemo. My goodness. The, the problem is ticks can carry more than just Lyme. So then you run, and I ran it into that too, that we had to start treating these other co-infections in addition to different viruses like Epstein-Barr. You yeah. know, that people with healthy immune systems don't really have a problem. Right. If I was to ramble off the infections, I would. <laughs> Treating people would, you know, just say that just I've never heard of these things. And that's because most people do not have these problems. Their immune system can keep it under control. Yeah. But that's the long, that's the big problem with chronic fatigue. It's dysfunctional immune, fun- you know, systems. So people cannot control and contain these infections. So your system basically breaks down. So, Rachel, let's paint the picture for people because, you know, people have heard of Lyme disease, but they don't really know what it is. Some of them may think it has to do with uh, the citrus fruit, uh, but different spelling, (laughs) L-Y-M-E. But tell us what the manifestation of this disease is. How did you know things weren't quite right? Well, I mean, initially I didn't know anything. It was because I just became in, I was not functioning at a normal level. I go to work and school and it was just a snowball effect and I was just exhausted So that was, I was just getting increasingly tired and unable to function to the point that I just had to drop out. And I thought maybe I was coming down with mono. And I really, at that point, you know, it had been almost 10 years, I sort of gave up on the Lyme disease situation because I had been tested numerous times Mm -hmm. and sought out infectious disease specialists. And they told me I didn't have it, you know. So, but I mean, normally when you're bitten by a tick, you, you, you know, a lot of times you'll get a rash and that's, you know, one of the main, main symptoms right away. And I never even had a rash. So, um, and then, you know, they do testing initially. And if it's done too early, the tests come back falsely negative. So, you know, I had tests from, you know, almost 10 years ago. So that's, you know, the doctor had my record. So that's why he didn't really think that was a problem anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, but it can be, I mean, the Lyme can really cause neurological problems. I mean, it basically, people can be diagnosed with psychiatric problems and it's actually Lyme. Hmm. So, it can manifest in so many different ways. But my main symptom was debilitating fatigue, which was why I was more labeled with the chronic fatigue. So, Which you were one of the lucky ones, it sounds like, if that's what you had to deal with uh, as the manifestation of your Lyme. Yeah, so the main was just worsening fatigue that I couldn't control, and it left me unable to function. So, so not so lucky, actually, after all. <laughs> no, and my system basically shut down. Wow. I mean, my, my, even my digestive tract, it was just, it was like a slow death. Things just started not working. Well, then you so. get on this really uh, high dose, I'm assuming, uh, antibiotic that you had to take probably for a good period of time that probably compromised gut health even more. Yes, so then you get into problems with candida and you're on antifungals. So, yes, then that causes more problems. So, let's talk about how you got out of the abyss because you you said that the medication took you to the brink of of death. And I I certainly don't want to make light of that because that was very serious at the time for you. How did you get out of it? Tell us some of the recovery and was there anything that helped to make this happen? Yeah, so basically five doctors. I First of all, I found a doctor who was competent enough to treat me. And that was an MD, PhD. After over a year of just trying to treat um, a strain of pneumonia, he decided that I needed to undergo, undergo non-standardized testing. Mm-hmm. So I was basically sent out for that. And that was a form of energetic kinesiology. So that was, you know, sort of off the charts. And, and from that, it came back that I had all these infections, mm. including Epstein-Barr, Babesia. That's when Lyme showed up. Um, all right. You've so mentioned Epstein-Barr a few times. Can you describe what that is? Yeah. So it's basically a virus. It's, you know, implicated people who have mono. A lot of times can just have a chronic Epstein-Barr infection. Gotcha. For the general public, they, you know, if they test for it, it'll show up positive but then that's the problem is it positive because you had it before or is an active infection Mm. so again my labs were inconclusive in that so my doctor really didn't want to treat me for that you know you go on antivirals 
Um, so we didn't really go down that road. But once it came back with these other tests, he sort of said, you know, I have this whole list here. We have to pick something. So he started with viruses. So I, it wasn't just Epstein-Barr that showed up, but there were other ones too. But he said for viruses, you know, my preferred uh, treatment would be going on IVs, going on prescriptions, or doing herbals. But given my history, he, you know, suggested we do the herbal route. Yeah. So then that's what I did. So I did a combination of three herbals for several months. And that too, then I caved again and got, you know, deathly sick. Mm. So, what was and the, the herbals? What did you take? Yeah, it was a combination. It was inosine, PABA, and DMAE. Okay. So those were over the, over the counter herbals. And he said, you need to take all three of these in tandem. Wow. So, so and they work the, in symbiotic uh, nature with each other? Yes. And actually, at the time, I got into seeing someone else with muscle testing, which is, you know, my doctor wasn't too thrilled about. Some of your listeners may have heard of that. And that's a way of determining if someone can tolerate certain medicines and how much to take. But he saw me having results with that, so he was okay with it. So we eventually reached a point where he'd give me options for different things, and he'd say, go muscle test with whoever you see and let me know which one you want to do. So that's sort of the, you know, the route we took. So then once the viruses, you know, and I started getting better in the sense that my reactions calmed down, and then he wasn't picking up with labs high numbers of inflammation and my blood pressure was stabilized, then we started attacking something else. Hmm. That was that was the process. So, so through this recovery, Rachel, was there any uh, support that you got from mainstream medicine? I mean, obviously, you went to see five doctors before you finally found this MD PhD that could give you yeah. relief. Uh, what did the mainstream medicine, I guess, support system give you uh, as you were going through this healing process? That is an unfortunate situation. They did not give me any support. I wow. was told I was it was in my head I needed psychological help (laughs) I have family members who in the medical profession and they you know that's the problem with you to tell someone you have cancer they can sympathize but when you tell someone you have chronic fatigue it's really the butterfly net wow I did not get any support and I was not going to sit back and I knew something was wrong with me I'm a scientist by training so I have great respect for people in the metal medical profession but this basically is a condition that has no solution and the severe people um you know 25 percent are end up permanently bedridden and housebound for the rest of their lives so i knew, knew i had to take matters in my own hands yes. i wasn't going to sit back and listen to these people that really had no training in this area and i knew the science because i spent my time any moment i felt good i was on pubmed reading and studying up on my own condition and trying to seek ways of uh, you know, reprieve. You became the expert you were looking for. Yes. So, and then basically with my doctor, I, we re- actually reached a point where I was on, he said, like, everything I have in my arsenal, you're on for every infection. Wow. So, basically didn't know any more what to do with me. So, then that's when I had to start branching out and trying things on my own. Well, and, that's and-, how, and that's what led to my recovery. That's awesome. And I definitely want to get uh, deep into what happened uh, with the recovery and how long it took. But I've got to ask, you are on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. So I've got to ask, what role did diet play in this? Because I know Tim Ferriss spoke very prominently about how uh, going on a ketogenic diet especially helped him in his recovery from Lyme disease. So nutritionally, what did you change? Anything? Yeah, so going into this, I was actually off gluten and dairy for a number of years. Yep. Um, but basically, my digestive tract shut down. But being a nutritionist by training is part of my my graduate work. I actually worked with a physician who basically only used diet to treat various conditions. So I had experience with working with very sick people and modifying diet. So I did that from the very beginning. And basically, my diet was just a handful of foods for breakfast, it was basically eggs and, and vegetables cooked in oil, um, like olive oil or coconut oil. For lunch was a vegetable soup, and it was very specific vegetables, um, green beans, zucchini, carrots, and celery and parsley boiled in water. With And then I had lamb with that and a very small amount of carbohydrates. I was say, it sounds pretty ketogenic to me. <laughs> yes, yeah, a little potato, and the dinner was about the same thing. Yeah. Her snack was just sun butter. So I couldn't do any legumes. Right. I couldn't do any raw nuts. 
I couldn't do any protein powders, no chicken or fish. My, my GI system couldn't handle it. So I'm not recommending that the specific diet would work for anyone, but I had what I learned from my training is people when they're, when they get sick, they can, you know, basically what they could handle before shrinks down, you know, considerably. And you really have to go on a very strict, limited diet. And that's what I, and I force myself to eat on mostly on a daily basis. If I didn't, I would not be sitting here talking to you today. Was it calorie restricted in any way or did you not worry about that or what? No, I, I did not restrict my, I mean, I had to force myself to eat. I, you know, I was very inactive at the time. So obviously I was eating less than when, before I got sick when I was more active, Sure. but I made, made sure that I ate three times a day. I made sure for my activity level that I, you know, was eating sufficient. So I wasn't, you know, wasting away. Mm-hmm. And most doctors too, I don't think took me seriously because they'd see me and they say, I, you know, one person says you're the healthiest person I've seen all day. <laughs> and I was anything but. Yeah. So, um, but that my diet did play a part in my recovery, but it wasn't the limiting factor because I basically changed that from the very get go. Well, and most people listening to you today here, Rachel, and thank you again for sharing your your very powerful story. And we're definitely going to get to the the end of it here uh, in the next few moments. But it sounds like you are extraordinarily strong willed <laughs> and willing to do whatever it took to get better. And so that yeah. had to have played that that stick-to-itiveness which I assume comes from your background as a scientist and as a as a practitioner helping clients uh, avoid injury when they're doing exercise that had to have played a role in you kind of saying, "Okay, I'm going to figure this out <laughs> if it kills me." Because that's what I mean, I was going to I knew the literature and it's very I mean the suicide rates for my condition are seven times higher than the, you know, general population. Wow. It, it's a very, you know, it's sort of like a death sentence. It's like being buried alive because you just can't, I mean, we're talking even getting a shower. I would get a shower and have to go back to bed. So, I mean, I wasn't going to just sit back and wait for science or somebody to fix me. So at my third year, I did start getting psychological counseling and that also played a role in my recovery because the therapist encouraged, she says, you need to play a more active role in your healing and not wait for somebody or something to heal you. Kudos so, to that person. Wow. And it's really what led to my recovery because I started investigating things more on my own and trying things that most people probably would not be willing to do. Mm-hmm. But well, I had a very strong inner strength because I was determined that this was not going to be my life. And good for you because a lot of people, they do see it as a death sentence. They do the same thing with cancer. Oh, I've got the C word. It's inevitable. I'm, I'm going to end up not being here for very yeah. much longer. And you have some people that fight, but some people give up. And so kudos to you for taking the former over the latter. Yes, it was. But I'm, and then I just as a side note, but I, when I was, I'm not really much of a movie person, but actually it must have been, I don't. You know, there must have been a reason I saw it, but ter- towards the beginning of my um, illness, I saw the movie Unbroken, yes. which was nominated for many Academy Awards. So yes. that real movie resonated with me throughout my entire illness. Do you feel and unbroken it- now? <laughs> yeah. So if your listeners, that's about, you know, it's a true story, New York Times bestselling, and, you know, the person in it, the main character was shot down in World War II, ended up in shark-infested waters. And then after over a month in the ocean was picked up and tortured in a concentration camp. Yeah. He wasn't capable of in being broken and he went in as an Olympic athlete. So wow. I, just, I had that kind of mindset in my mind that I was not going to be broken by this illness. Got a little bit of the Rocky theme playing in the background. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. I just think you, I know it's mind over body sometimes, but I just, that's the try. That's, I mean, I, I have my share, I won't lie, my, uh, you know, a large number of meltdowns, but I, you know, I just, that was, I was determined to beat this. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the various therapies uh, and things that you discovered along the way of this path to healing. Um, I guess at this point we should tell people how long did it take you to get healed from this and then we'll we'll talk about the steps that you took along yes. the way so it took me over four years four so it years was over four years it's actually four and a half now and i've you know been i've been getting progressively better basically since january would you so say you're 90 percent plus i would say i'm about 98 percent there at this excellent. point excellent yes 
So let's get into some of those things now, Rachel, because some of these people will be like, well, I've never heard of that before. So I think this will be very educational. One of the things that you told me that you did uh, that you used light therapy as part of your treatments, and I'm assuming this is part of kind of resetting your circadian rhythm, maybe that gives the benefit? People would think, no. So actually, I started, so my doctor told me I had a severe immune impairment. He told me that from the beginning. So I started studying why that is, and I came across information with biofilms, and people are familiar with drug resistance, with, you know, things like MRSA, and that's why people, you know, can die, because these medicines don't work. So, I mean, I I reached a point where I was basically on both herbals and prescription medicines for about every known thing, so I'm like, why, what's the matter here? So, and, you know, biofilms, there's a lot of people can, you know, search that on PubMed or even Google. And I found information that light therapy can help disintegrate biofilm. Wow. So, and at the time I was actually seeing um, a therapist and I don't want to, you know, digress too much, but we were doing tapping and that's the form of acupuncture with just your hands. Did you say tapping? Tapping. Yes. Yes. yes, I've heard of the tapping. Yes. That can be very effective for clearing psychological stress. And so we were using that, but I was the first patient in over a thousand patients he ever saw that got very sick from it. Wow. So what he pulled out when I started responding in ways he never saw was a light. And that just threw me over the edge. I got incredibly sick and I went home after that was in bed for like two days straight. Wow. So that's when I started going online. I'm like, what's with this light? Because he told <laughs> me to use this light. On, he's, you know, he said, people come in here with different aches and pains and I've let them borrow this and it does amazing things. Why are you responding this way? You know, so I went online and it, it, there was information with light de- degrading biofilm. So basically what it came down to I responded to light to disintegrate biofilm and doing so made my medicines more effective. And when the medicines are more effective, you have more pathogens dying. And when yes. more pathogens die, you get sick. Wow. It's this process. So, so, Rachel, is it just a bright light that you shine on some area of your body or yeah. your whole body? So, what, what, what is this? So I actually got a light online. There's, it's actually, I mean, light therapy is widely used for even in dermatology offices, most commonly for face, for acne and for anti-aging. And you can go online and see movie stars, you know, with lights all over their face. So I, online, and I was reading that different colors do different things. So I thought, you know, and at at the time I was not well, so I couldn't, there's different clinics you can go to that actually have light therapy. But for me to even maintain an appointment with anybody was next to impossible. So yeah. I thought I need to purchase a device that I can use at home and play with it because that's at the point that I was. So I purchased a, the device on Amazon. It was about $100 and it had seven colors and it was actually a mask for your face. Really? Yes. Yeah, so so how's it different than infrared sauna therapy? Well, that's just one color. Ah. Yeah, so this was multicolor. But infrared sauna would be light therapy. It would be. It okay. would be a light therapy, yes. Gotcha. So, and and that, you know, that's like a whole body thing. This was just a mask for your face. But, I mean, if you read the description online, they say, you know, this is supposed to help with acne, anti-aging, and what have you. So I got this light home, and the color I read mostly about with infections was dark blue. So I put that on my face, and within minutes, I had migraines. Wow. So I worked myself up. It, it was several weeks and months using this light, and I had to use it on every area of my body. I used it on the top of my head all the way down to the bottom of my feet, the palms of my hands. And I, I worked up from a few minutes a day and eventually was up to seven hours a day of light therapy. So mm. that's what it took. I actually had to get two devices. And then I saw my doctor after I was doing this, and I told him, and he was very intrigued. So he said, let's run labs. And my numbers were off the charts for like a CRP, that C-reactive protein. Oh, yeah, the key inflammation <laughs> marker. Yep. Yeah. And my markers were, you know, 10 plus. And he says, Whoa. well, that's working. So, and I, that's the only thing he had changed since he drew numbers. So he says, obviously, you're in a big state of die-off, so keep doing it. <laughs> so, and I basically knew I could stop when I didn't respond negatively to this light anymore. So that took me several weeks changing yes. colors every day to determine what colors to use. I mean, I reached a point where I was using every color on every area in my body. Wow. So, and to this day, I still do light therapy every day just as maintenance. But I that bet was, you do. <laughs> that was a major instrument in getting, because that's a big problem when people don't get well with these infections is biofilm. 
So what's and the name of the device, Rachel, if people were interested in trying to find it, say, on Amazon or somewhere? It's on Amazon, eBay. It's an LED facial mask. LED facial mask. Just look it up, you guys, and we might put a link to it in the show notes section. So. Yes. So, and there, there's different ones, but I purchased the one that had the multi, multi-color, seven colors total. Have you tried the Jigsaw Electrolyte Supreme yet? It replenishes minerals, B vitamins, and electrolytes that are lost daily through sweat, urination, occasional diarrhea, and exercise. A Live in La Vida Low Carb Show listener named Tricia writes, I listen to your podcast on the iPhone app and have enjoyed your sponsor, Jigsaw Health, where you talked about the electrolytes, lemon lime, for $10 off with coupon code LLVLC. My feet and legs cramp up often, even though LCA HF two and a half years, and then keto half year after that for three years total eating well. I wondered if the electrolytes would help, so I used your coupon code. First night of drinking the mixture all day, no cramps, slept well, and every night since. Just reordered the three-pack this time, saving more money and using your code once again. Thank you. It really tastes good and works great. I use twice the amount of water they suggest, or it's too sweet for me, so I put a scoop in 16 ounces or half a scoop in eight ounces instead of one in eight. So join Trisha, get Jigsaw Electrolyte Supreme, head on over to lowcarbelectrolytes.com and definitely use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to save $10 off of your order. Again, it's called Jigsaw Electrolyte Supreme. They're back and better than ever at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. They are the F-Bomb company. Fat is smart fuel. They have made some incredible products for the ketogenic community, and they make keto easier. They have products that include coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, house blend, MCT oil, olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut butter with sea salt, macadamia nut butter without salt, coconut butter, macadamia nut butter blend. They also have salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. These are all available to you now at jimmylovesfbomb.com. And if you head on over there now and you use the coupon code jimmylovesfbomb, they'll give you 10% off of your first order. jimmylovesfbomb.com. Something else that you noticed as you were going through your educational piece uh, with this Lyme disease uh, and, and chronic fatigue recovery is a sensitivity to these EMFs. Now, we've heard a lot about EMFs. I know uh, Dr. Mercola has been uh, talking about these things for many years, uh, the whole electromagnetic uh, fields. Um, tell us how this manifested itself. Yes. So, again, I actually came – how I found out about that was actually through Dr. Mercola on one of his uh, blogs. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Yeah. So you didn't he, tell me that, so I just guessed. <laughs> no, that's how I found out about it. I actually wrote a story on it on Mind Body Green. Yeah. And it sounds crazy because it's basically sensitivity to electricity, you know, and different, you know, laptops, whatever. But I, at the time, it wasn't like when I used a cell phone, I got sick. But, you know, I, re, I was at a point, you know, this was after like year three where I was on every medicine there is and I was not, I was better, but I wasn't well. So anything's, you know, you reach a point where anything's worth a try. So I actually went and I saw that I was seeing the therapist at this time and I mentioned, I said, are you familiar with EMS? And he said, yes, actually I am. I've, you know, I've seen people, you know, affects them in different ways. So he actually muscle tested me with that and he said, I think you are sensitive so I actually went through and got um, stones through a, um, a specific device that I have it linked on my Mind Body Green site where I where I got that. And anyway, I it took me several weeks to even adjust to that because that too made me very sick. And people, you know, think this just sounds ridiculous. But basically, the EMFs, if you're sensitive, it's it's just one more inhibitor into your immune system. So reason I got sick when I started using this thing that helped protect me from EMFs is because it was making my immune system stronger, which made pathogens die and you get sick. So it's just this, you know, roundabout effect. 
One thing I'm hearing in your story is don't always take worsening symptoms in the early days of trying something as a bad thing. It could be that you're you're in the healing process and you just have to let that healing take hold and then test again. And you'll see the HSCRP uh, probably is better today. What what is your HSCRP today, for example? Last time I had it done was below below point five. There you go, yes. <laughs> and that's incredible, you guys. Anything under one is just your optimal range. So kudos to you for getting that down. But if you freaked out over the one reading, you'd have been like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to die tomorrow!" And no. Yeah, but I mean, actually, so now for the rest of my life, I have something I carry with me for EMF purposes. And during the early stages of this, I actually have a family member who has a hybrid car. Yeah. So I actually went into this car and I got really sick. Wow. Couldn't figure it out. And that's because hybrids have more EMF exposure than a normal, normal car. And, does, oh, you know, does that Wi-Fi was, count as well? Yes. Yeah, so Dr. Oh, Mar- uh, yes, we're doing this go- interview over Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> oh, no, but I have, I have something I carry. But if you go on the Dr. Mercola site. Yes, you can block people, it. Yeah, but, um, well, yes, but he recommends you use shield paint you use different clothing, and yeah. people just say this is impossible to live this way. So that's why I went the route of trying to find something that could add protection that I carry with me 24-7. And you never and, stick an iPhone up to your ear anymore. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, that's so, something that Mercola also pushes hard. <laughs> yes, but I mean, most people say this sounds crazy, but addressing EMF was a necessary step for me to get where I am today. Good and that actually you. became, And that actually came before the light therapy. Because I had these lights on me with electricity, you know, up to seven hours a day. Oh, so yeah. this that was the first step was the EMF. Then it came light therapy. And the last item was heavy metals. Yeah, I was going to get to heavy metals because this is one that my wife, Christine, actually had to deal with. She had cadmium and, and all these really horrible things. And she was feeling really bad. And they diagnosed her with this kind of catch-all fibromyalgia. That's why I was joking it earlier. Because yeah. when they yeah, don't know what it is, that's what they call it. Fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. And so she had to do chelation therapy. Is that what you did? I did. So basically, again, I found that through my my own readings. And I found that cilantro was one of the most mild things you could try. So I actually just picked up a bottle of cilantro and took one and hoped for the best. Is that natural chelation cilantro? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yes. And I got deathly sick. I was up on kidney pain. And about four days after that, I saw my doctor. And I told him, I says, I think I have a heavy metal problem. And he says, well, why do you think that? And I says, well, I picked up the cilantro. And he knew at this point that I did these kind of things. So he was willing to work with me. And he said, you know, I think you may be the youngest person in my practice that has this. I never even considered that because of my age group. But he says, you responding to that in that way is obviously a sign. He says, I don't even recommend cilantro for chelation because it's so very mild. But again, he says, knowing you, you respond so harshly to things that you shouldn't. I'm not going to question it. So wow. that's basically. And then he gave me another you know, list of, of, he says, I could put you in the IV room for chelation therapy. But yes. he says, I don't, you could make it through it. Again, because my most ma- major problem was I, my blood pressure would, would continually plummet with these things. So he recommended different supplements in addition to cilantro to give me, you know, to give a try. And then I went back and saw the person I muscle tested, and that's that's how we did that. Did you determine that, which heavy metals were in your body? Um, not through any testing, through muscle testing. Okay. But nickel, usually mercury. Fe- yeah, usually fecal and was it blood and urine, I think, are the three ways they can test they for it. Can. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, and he, saliva, maybe? Yeah, well, he, his preferred method, the doctor I was seeing, was to give you a, do it through an IV load and give you a um, chelator. Oh, yeah, 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 the key later, yeah. Before and after, right. yes. But again, I was so sensitive to cilantro, he didn't even want to do, put me through that kind of testing. Sure. So you said nickel I, and what else? Nickel and mercury is what we picked up through muscle yes. testing. The most serious. A lot of people you know, have and, mercury. Yes. Did you have and fillings I, or stuff that were... I did not. Ah. But through testing, it came up that it was 20 plus years of allergy shots. Oh, wow. I have no way of proving that, but that's <laughs> my own personal theory. Yikes. So... But that was the, that was the, and then I actually had to use tapping and light therapy to help with the chelation process. Mm. And it took me several months to get through. Wow. So. And you can feel kind of crappy as you're going through chelation. Yeah. So it was very horrific. 
Yes. So, but okay. I it just you reach this point where you just have to keep doing all these things, and then you know, finally you reach a point where you think you know things are actually getting better, and this yes. is the right. Well, and that's what I was going to go to next was, okay, you've, you've gone through the, the light therapy and you f- figure out that you have a sensitivity to e- EMF. You have these heavy metals and all these treatments and every- you have to be going back crap crazy at this point going, okay, am I ever going to get better? What kept your head up through all of this? Well, year three, I started, I started seeing a therapist. So he played an instrumental role in, in, pushing me through that I could actually do this. And then in my own time, when I had moments of breaks, I kept myself occupied with side projects. And like it was writing a book? <laughs> yes, like writing a book. <laughs> you, wrote, so, you wrote your book, Weight Training Without Injury, in the midst of going through this, let's just say what it is, this hell. Yeah, but it was, it was actually mostly laid out, written before I started this. But in terms of the editing process, taking the photos, getting it all on the market, that was all through my illness. Yeah. So, I mean, taking the pictures, I'm not the model in the book, but just that alone took us six months to get through because I didn't have the stamina to be at the photo shoots. So, wow. um, but I mean, I basically, any moment I had free where I was feeling halfway decent, I had something to do. So that was what that helped motivate me too, because I had you know all these things waiting that needed to be done. So um, you know, and then tapping played a major role in terms of keeping me mentally sane. Yeah. So yeah, people that haven't heard of the tapping before, all you do is you just take like your fingers and you just tap on parts of your body, and it. I've actually done this, and it it does work. It's pretty amazing. It sounds a little voodoo to people that haven't heard of it before, but it does work. Yeah, there's the book called The Tapping Solution. Yeah. So, and there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of science proven about tap there. I mean, in terms of tapping and, and, and helping with different psychological illnesses and all sorts of things. So I use that to help me clear toxins, to help me stay mentally sane. So I wasn't on an, antidepressants. When things got low, I would start tapping. So mm-hmm. that, that's what I did. Wow. Well, hearing your entire story, it's it's so inspiring to hear you so cheerful today because you have been through a lot. And we could keep going on and on. I mean, you were diagnosed yeah. with hypothyroidism and that contributed to this. Tell us a little briefly about how that contributed to your condition. Yes. Yeah, so actually, I took me over 28 years to get diagnosed with that. But that I think that actually put me into deeper in the hole because I saw over a dozen doctors and they treated me for things that I didn't have. Was it Hashimoto's? No, I never had autoimmune, but I mean, I was basically on female, female hormones on and off for over a decade because, Mm. um, my bone density started dropping very badly. And, you know, that was a concerning because of, you know, weight training is supposed to increase your bone density and mine starts dropping. Wow. And if you're, and then I wasn't menstruating as a female, so they were concerned with that. And then I was having different problems with, um, my, even my kidney system. So it was, but it was all, it all came down to being hypothyroidism. So I was mistreated and misdiagnosed for over 20 years. And your thyroid is an instrumental key in terms of modulating your entire immune function. Did they only test TSH and like, no, you're good. Yeah, T4 and that was it. Yes. The the MD, PhD, he was the first one that actually did the full complete. Yes, the antibodies and all that. Looking at a T3 and actually at, um, at this day, I'm actually on both level thyroxine and armor so i have you. a combination of both t3 and t4 but no one would listen because my labs are all real normal yeah so my, that's, my I, wife I, christine had to push for it with her doctor she's like i want to be on armor so write yeah. the prescription now and it's helped her so much yes but they would not listen to me i was yeah. told once you go to four years of med school and you know three plus years of residency then we can have an intelligence oh they pull the i'm a md don't yeah. mess with me card I had that car pulled on me multiple times. So. <sighs> yeah, I do this show a lot with MDs, and yeah, I've, I've heard that before. <laughs> yes. So that that played it. I think that put me further in the hole because I had my immune system wasn't operating at a normal level for all those years, mm. even without the tick bites. So I think that just led to, you know, but I that was addressed early on in my illness because I found this doctor that actually knew how to treat it. Let's give a shout out to that doctor. What is that person's name? Yes, Dr. Schickman. Alex, he's an MD, PhD. He's in San Diego, California. Kudos to him. I mean, it sounds like he was your your angel in all this. 
Yes, he alone was not able to save me. He even said he, you know, didn't know what to do, but he was able to guide me and he believed me. And he got was, you started. He got me started. He actually got me out of the coffin into the hospital bed. And then once I started finding these things, the man was, you know, like my own personal Wikipedia. Anything I asked him, he could tell me. <laughs> and you Any, still stay in touch today? I do. I, st- I still see him regularly, yes, Good. to keep on top of things. So he has people come from all over the world to see him. So he's actually pretty difficult to get in, um, but he's worth the wait. But you're his star client now, so or patient now. So <laughs> he wants to yeah. brag on you a little bit, I'm sure, and yeah. take care of you. So, but it was a combination of him, someone I saw with a PhD in muscle um, in clinical biochemistry, but they actually were, you know, were very good with muscle testing, and yes. a psychologist. Those three people were instrumental in getting me where I am today. Plus my own perseverance and trying things that some of your listeners may think are a little crazy, but that's okay. Sounds a little woo-woo, but it got you through it. Yes, and that's fine. But, I, you know, hopefully I can plant a seed for someone else who's struggling. And if I can make a difference in one person, then my story's worth sharing. Yeah, your story is amazing. And I'm really glad you reached out to me. I've got to ask you, because you do have the background in exercise, what role did that play throughout this whole experience? Because I would think when you were feeling crappy, uh, exercise was like on the bottom of the list of to do's. (laughs) Yes, exercise was on the very bottom of the list. It was the least of my concerns. But after, you know, you start not moving, you start getting back aches and things start hurting. Yes. So I had to, once I sort of got myself out of a hole, I had to start doing exercises. I, you know, going into that, I was running and lifting weights. I didn't touch any of that. I started out with just doing bed exercises. So, for example, in bed, I do leg curls. I do leg presses. Um, you know, I do calf raises, do hamstring stretches. So I did all sorts of things just even in bed. And that, that protected me from getting all sorts of different, you know, postural problems and and everything else. So I did that throughout my recovery. And then once I started progressing, even on my better days, I, you know, do a little bit more. So, um, you know, but I actually reached a point where if I did too much, I'd throw myself back into bed. And being doing too much would be going for, you know, a walk outside for five minutes. So that's when I would doesn't take I mean, we're talking when I'm saying exercise, we're talking maybe even one minute in the morning, one minute at night or 30 seconds. I mean, it was, it was the bare bones. Hey, but you were doing something. I was doing something. Rather you know, than and nothing. Yeah, my doctor even says, you know, you could go into PT. He didn't know my background. I said, well, I don't need that. I can do, do things myself. Yeah. But the problem was even with my condition, the severity, I could not even have maintained a weekly PT appointment. I was too sick. Did you ever consider doing like yoga or Pilates, something a little less strenuous to maybe provide some uh, stress relief in the process of all this as well? Um, I was encouraged to try things, but there's no way I could have even made it to any kind of an appointment for any of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I was doing the bare bones with just doing exercises in bed. Wow. So, I mean, that was actually more low key than doing Pilates or yoga. Sure. So, uh, you know, I even just at the bathroom sink, I would hold on the counter and do squats once a week. Wow. So just to keep, it you know, was that was, bad, <laughs> it was that bad. You know, so, and, and, you know, I do planks once in a while, just holding on the counter, not on the floor. I do. Now those cat- are hard. <laughs> I mean, I went into this in pretty good shape. Yes. So I was trying to keep, you know, I do calf raises on the stairs. Yes. Um, I, for my posture, I, you know, did rows. I did lat pull downs. I did reverse flies. But I did all this with no weight. I just used my own body. Sure. And in my book, you know, it teaches you using weights. I basically did the same exercises, just using no weight. So, did, did you gain weight through this process, by the way, of your recovery? Or what happened with your weight and your health in general besides the things you've already talked about? So my weight, when I was sick, actually went up, even though I was eating less because of the severe amount of inflammation. I had, my joints were, I mean, I was massively swollen. I'd be, I'd look eight months pregnant, nine tenths of the time. So I had incredibly high amounts of inflammation in my body. So my, I had, it was all from fluid retention. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm still getting rid of that. But, you know, so my weight did go up, but it's, it's pretty much back down to normal at this point. So, and that was one thing I had to deal with too with exercise is because it moves toxins out. So, you know, from doing two minutes exercise, I'd actually feel worse. Yes. 
So it's finding this balance of, you know, and, it, and then I get upset with myself because I thought, goodness, you know, I'm just doing a leg press in bed. And I used to do this at the gym using weight. This shouldn't, you know, do this to me. But it was just part of the process. And learning to accept that took me several years. See, guys, if you feel worse after doing some exercise, it's not always because it's bad for you. It just means it's probably yeah. releasing toxins. And, yeah, you just have yeah. to kind of go through that. Yes, yeah, so I did. And I did all these different, you know, exercises at home on a regular basis, just using my own body weight. And people would see me and they'd say, oh, you look great. And yeah. they, you know, and that's why I wasn't taken seriously, too, by a lot of people. I, you know, family members just thought I was crazy, you know, so. Mm -hmm. so that's okay. What's that? I said, that's okay. I'm okay with people thinking, you know, this all sounds crazy. Hey, people are going to think what they're going to think. you got to take care of Rachel Strout. <laughs> yes. So I, I had to learn that too. Yes. So you told me earlier you feel like now you're right about 98% fully healed from all of this. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, what was it that you felt like I'll never be able to uh, overcome X? What What is the X? Well, and the big... Did. Yes, the big thing was the big thing was is the clearing of the toxins. Hmm. So my my doctor says you have a severe toxin clearing problem, and he says I don't really know why. Yes, there's information saying that some of us are genetically predisposed to having you know different issues where we can't clear things as effectively as others, and that's been an ongoing problem. Is my ability to clear has been very difficult. So in in terms of recovering from these treatments it's taking me longer because of that so that's why i've had to incorporate these other things such as even i've done extensive hours of tapping just on clearing toxins and that's something still i'm working on in this day because i still have inflammation i'm dealing with and it's just toxin buildup from all the layers of infections that you know just haven't fully cleared and when you're full of these toxins it just affects you and it can you know it depresses your immune system too so it's just something you have to get out of and it's you know easier said than done absolutely well and with all the antibiotics you had to take and the various things that probably compromised your gut health that makes it that much more difficult yes. so are you adding in purposely more kind of probiotic type food sauerkraut and kimchi and uh kefir and all these things now um, my diet's still limited. Some of those things I can't add back, but I'm, you know, doing, I'm, I've been able to add back more foods slowly. So I'm still like, I used to eat a lot of salads, you know, mm -hmm. little things I still have to be really careful with. Is it because the fiber in those foods might yeah. feed the, the bad gut no, bacteria? I, my, my GI, Your GI tract. Yeah. Just can't hand. I was based, I was actually just in the last month able to add back a digestive enzyme. Oh, wow. My system. Because Is it considered leaky gut? What you have? Um, I just think it's just com it just comprom my system basically just shut down. I don't know if you call it leaky gut. Mm -hmm. you know, my doctor says it. You know, it could be from the yeast. It can be from the toxins. You know, it's just things have been compromised, and you know, things were just not working. It, it just ain't ideal. right. <laughs> not, and then I couldn't take these different things because it would give me heartburn. So I just had to limit my food intake. Sure. You know, I'm on over 35 supplements at the moment. I have, you know, I hopefully one day that can go down. But um, I have a very extensive supplemental list that I have to, you know, stick to every day, too. And so, it's but, making well, you heal even more. So keep doing yes. them, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's been an instrumental role in my healing. It's, I just want to emphasize that just doing light therapy, tapping, yep. EMF, that wasn't enough. I actually did need medical intervention, you know, by someone, which was, you know, Dr. Schickman. He yeah. was an instrumental role. So it's just so, been the combination of all these things, including exercise and diet that I'm presently here. So he came after you tried all of those modalities to help yourself? No, he came before that. Oh, okay. He came, yes. So basically, he came and started me on medicine for mycoplasma pneumonia. And that was back in uh, September 2013. Got it. When I started treatment. And I didn't start trying these other off-the-chart things. It was, you know, two or three years later. Mm -hmm. Basically reached a point where he says, I have you on everything I can possibly have you on. Or I've given you everything there is to muscle test. Yeah. I don't know what more I can give you in terms of prescriptions or supplements. So that's when I started venturing out into those other areas. 
So you take this big handful of supplements every day. You still have this very limited uh, low-carbish diet that you have to follow that's specific so you don't upset the apple cart, so to speak, in your gut. Um, you're able to add back a, a digestive enzyme to help with this. What other things are you doing in the day-to-day -day now to try to maintain these this progress that you've seen in your health? Yeah, so my exercise is incrementally improved. I actually started back in a gym in April. Nice. That's you know been a very slow process. I'm that had still, to be weird the first time back in a gym yeah, again. It was, it was very. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't. It was just surprising what I couldn't do. It was a little embarrassing. Was you it know? strength loss that you had? Um, no, I could do things, but it was just I had to do it on the bare bones of weight because I was when I went back to the gym was the first time I lifted up even a five pound dumbbell. I didn't. Ah, touch. yeah. I didn't touch a single weight when I was sick. It was purely just movement patterns. Right. You know, people are familiar with rows, reverse flies, lat pull downs, you know, all using weights. But I just did that with my own body in my hands. Sure. To keep my posture and mobility. That's all you could do. It was all I could do. And I didn't, and, and doing that made me not feel so well. So I didn't dare, you know, touch anything with resistance. Mm. So, you know, going back to the gym, I've just, you know, I've started incorporating more cardio and actually, when I started going back to the gym, I actually got sick from that, just mm -hmm. from toxins. So it's just been a balancing act that, you know, I'm. you just have to go on this. It's just this constant, um, you know, give and take relationship that I've had to accept. It's part of the recovery process. So, Rachel, do you think you'll ever get back to where you were prior to I, this diagnosis? Yes, I do. I, you know, I'm, I'm. everything I'm doing now is basically I know what I need to do. I don't feel like there's any more missing holes in the boat. I feel like I started with a boat with just a sinking ship with a hundred holes. I feel like they're all been been plugged and now I just need to, you know, build up my foundation a little stronger because I basically was at the brink of death and I just need to be patient in terms of getting back and, you know, doing everything like I was before. And I have a very strict schedule I have to follow in terms of, you know, everyday light therapy and tapping, even if I feel okay. So, I mean, I've committed myself to the, doing these things to the, for the rest of my life. They become a habit now. Yes. And doing that initially, you know, I, you know, saw the therapist and we've actually done light therapy and tapping. I've gone in there with the light on my head and we're doing tapping for an hour. You know, he says, it's good there's no cameras in here. So, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, been, it's been quite the adventure. So I've had to learn these things and incorporate it into my everyday, you know, wellness. And then I also have this black cloud every day that if I feel like I'm getting tired or sore throat, it's all coming back. So it's actually keeping my mental, you know, that if I start feeling like that, I just need to do more tapping to clear, you know, that it's not coming back. I just need to lighten up my load a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's actually to keeping my strong mental attitude that it's okay if, you know, one day I can't go to the gym or do this or that. I just, you know have to let time time heals so time heals indeed so somebody listening today and there's probably a bunch of somebodies that are listening today that says yeah i am dealing with this i guess i debilitating fatigue and maybe not to the level of rachel straub but you they they they're having a really hard time with it uh so where do they start? What what would you recommend to men or women who are dealing with exactly the kind of thing that you've dealt with these past four years? Just give them some hope today, Rachel. Yeah. So basically, I the first thing is you need to have a strong medical provider that is willing to number one agree they don't they don't know everything they that there is to know about their given profession, and two they're <laughs> willing to question what they've been taught. So yeah, good luck finding somebody like that. How did you find this guy? <laughs> yes, yeah, so that I actually, you know, after years of struggling with hypothyroidism and being misdiagnosed, I actually, you know, once I got this illness after the uh, third or fourth doctor, I decided I had to leave the MD circuit because that's the only type of person. I went and saw an osteopathic doctor, mm -hmm. and from there he referred me over to Dr. Schickman. Is he a functional so medicine practitioner, Schickman? No, he's no, he's an MD in um, rheumatology and a PhD in immunology. Got it. But he's trained over in Europe, so he's well-versed in different modalities, and he's open-minded. So I think he's actually, I've helped facilitate that process. 
So, well, although know. I think the functional medicine uh, uh, field would be a good place to go if someone was trying to look for someone who would yeah. think outside the box. Yeah, so you basically need, need someone that's willing to think outside the box. And for me, I was so sick, I had to find someone in my area, which was in San Diego. Yeah. So oh, you got a bunch of doctors there. That <laughs> yeah. But trying to find someone that's willing to think outside the box yes. is, is easier said than done. That's because right. I wish I could tell you, just go get a light or do this, you know, go get this supplement. But it doesn't, I, you know, Dr. Schickman had to do tests and he, you know, he saw things. He said, oh, we, you know, this is dangerously high. I got to give you something to get this down. You know, I probably would have died without him. So you do need someone who can write prescriptions and can watch over you. Well, and quite frankly, someone who's willing to try things that he knows may or may not help you, but that's okay. You got to keep trying different things until you find the things that work. Yes, because I've had people email me because I've written extensively about my condition on Mind Body Green and, you know, and say that, you know, I've been to 20 doctors and I'm worse than ever. You know, I, if any advice would be helpful and you just really need to find someone who's willing to work with you. But in the end, Dr. Schickman alone was not able to help me. Yeah. So I had to bring in these other two people. So if you're in my predicament, I, you know, Dr. Schickman can only work within, you know, he was only good for medicines and prescription and supplements. Right. He was willing, to, you know, to give me ideas, but it's really just finding a community of people that can with have various specialties and are willing to think outside the box to really come together and, and help. Have you considered making a page where other Lyme and chronic fatigue sufferers can come to that you can kind of network together and find who these people would be that could help? Um, and no, there, there's just various blogs I've come there's across. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> there's blogs. I mean, people can search and see things all over the place, but I've had people contact me and they're saying, you know, I'm on the East Coast. I'm just too sick to make it out to San Diego or, yes. you know. So, I mean, that's a big problem because I was there too. I would not have been, you know, Dr. Schickman was within an hour of where I lived and my parents had to drive me. I was too sick. So, the thought of boarding a plane or, you know, what have you or, you know, going across country in a car would just would be impossible. So, um, mm-hmm. so you mentioned a couple of times that you write for mind body green. Is it mindbodygreen.com? Is that yes. the website? Okay. Yeah. And you've been uh, writing pretty extensively all about overcoming the chronic fatigue and Lyme, a, a series of articles. And so you were like, can I just come and tell the whole story on the Living La Vida yeah. Low Carb Show? So- yes, I've been getting flooded with emails from people just asking, because they've just been piecing different parts of my story yes. you know, slowly over time. But it's, you know, it's a bit overwhelming. So that's why I thought just sharing it in a more one spot scenario would be a better idea. Well, but I'm s- so glad alert- you did. Yeah, if they want to learn more, they can go on my um, Mind Body Green site and explore some of these things in greater detail where I discuss it. So this past hour has been truly amazing, Rachel. And again, thank you for contacting me and, and sharing your story here today. What do you hope people who have heard everything that you've had to share here today and have read in your Mind Body Green articles, what do you hope they take away from it? My number one goal is to really be a voice for those who are too, are too ill to speak. As I said, the most severe cases end up bed, bed bound and they actually cannot speak. They can't have lights on and it's a slow death. So I'm hoping that people can get more aware of this condition, that the people with it, like myself, are not crazy. We just have a, a, you know, a condition that doctors don't understand and there is no solution. So I'm hoping that I can you know, be a voice for, for those people and just help guide people in in finding hope that there you know there is a solution you just have to be an active part in in doing so and for those who are listening who are not well i just ask that you have just a a thimbleful more compassion of those who are struggling with this condition because it is real and it does destroy lives and Mm -hmm. it is buried alive you know what i'm going to take from this interview here today a lot of things but the the thing as someone who does not have chronic fatigue or Lyme it reminds me of why as a an empowered patient uh, we all need to take back control of our own health that when the mainstream medicine laughs at us and tells us it's all in our head that we ultimately are the final arbiters in our health and we have to do our own research and be our best doctor 
Yes. Uh, using those those doctors that are around us that have the letters after their name merely as consultants in our own health, but not abdicating your responsibility for taking back control of your own health. It's a theme I've talked about quite a bit over the years, Rachel, and I'm really yeah. glad that you underscored that here today. Yes. So I hope your listeners can take that away and just and even, you know, family and friends, they just have not understood why I've been in hiding for all this time. So um, I just hope that people can just have a little more compassion for those of us who do have this condition because it is a real, very serious problem. Well, congratulations for overcoming such incredible odds. I, I, I can only imagine that in 2013, if you had just thrown your hands up in the air and said, screw it, I'm just not going to do anything, this is uh, my life sentence, where would you be today? I don't think necessarily you'd be here. No, I went, the doctor told me I would have ended up permanently bedridden because that's where I was headed. And I, from the time when I started really collapsing, it was eight months till I started treatment. So I got on the circuit pretty quick. Mm-hmm. People who were just told they have chronic fatigue and they end up bedridden and go years and don't get anywhere. So um, I was fortunate in that regard. Well, Rachel Straub, thanks so much for sharing your story here today. Again, you guys, uh, she's written a book called Weight Training Without Injury. If you hadn't checked it out yet, it's definitely worth uh, a read. And then mindbodygreen.com. Look up Rachel Straub, R-A-C-H-E-L, last name S-T-R-A-U-B. So, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. Thank you, Jimmy. Coming up next time on the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll have an LLVLC classic episode with fructose expert, Dr. Richard Johnson. Get show notes for today's episode at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll see you next time. Disc of Light.